Welcome to a special episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me this time is a newcomer to this show, but he has previously appeared on an episode of FW Presents when we discussed the legendary Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls of the 90s and Fire and Water Records when we talked about Van Halen. Now he is here to help me talk about a slew of future Star Wars projects that Disney just dropped on our heads a couple of hours ago as of this recording. Listeners, please welcome Chris Zagunas. What's up, man? Hey, Ryan. How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Uh, your first time on the show, so you have to answer the question, how and when did you become a Star Wars fan? How did you discover it? Um, how would you describe your Star Wars fandom? Well, that's uh, it's a long and complex answer, and it's one I love to give. So let's dive in. I am what I like to refer to as an OG Star Wars fan. Uh, as you are aware, I just had a birthday recently. I turned the big 5-0. And what that means in terms of my Star Wars fandom was that I was there day one. I saw New Hope in the theaters in 1977 as a six-year-old. And it's, it was a life-changing moment. I mean, I still remember it. It's one of my earliest, most vivid memories. I remember going to the movie theater. And uh, you know, this is in Rockford, Illinois, where I grew up. And it was this outdoor mall theater called Cherryvale. I'm, I'm sure you remember that, Ryan. I know Cherryvale, yeah. Yeah, so I, we went with my parents. We were supposed to be see like a seven o'clock show, and remember, I'm six years old at the time, and you know this is pre-internet, pre you know early ticket buying. I mean, this is back in the days when you had to like go see a movie by lining up at the box office, you know, before showtime and paying your for the ticket and then going in and getting whatever seat was available. So I remember we get there and the line is wrapped all the way around the building, like you can see the end of the line and. And I mean, and again, this is early blockbuster days. I mean, you know, Jaws had come out two summers previous. And I mean, this is, you know, Star Wars was the first, like, just global blockbuster summer movie sensation that, that you know, that movies like Jaws and slightly less so like The Exorcist and The Godfather movies set the table for. And it was just Star Wars that just blew the whole thing wide open. So nobody knew how to deal with this. I mean, this was like back when theaters had like one screen, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get there, line wrapped around the building, sold out that show, the next show, the next show, and they started adding shows, like, on the fly. So, basically, we found out that we would be coming back for, like, a midnight show, <laughs> because that was the next one that was available um, after they were starting to meet all the demand. And I remember bawling my eyes out as we left the theater because I so badly wanted to see this movie and we couldn't see it. And my mom trying to explain to me is we're going to come back at midnight. I think it might've even been a school night. I don't know, <laughs> but I had to go home and take a evening nap. So, you know, my parents put me to bed and they woke me up like at 1130. We went back and then got in and I saw it. I still remember sitting there in that theater and seeing that star destroyer you know, come over the top of the screen and I mean, you know, just filling your vision. And of course there's the fanfare and the opening crawl and I mean, everything about it. And it was just, I mean, it was, it was a game changer. So what's been great for me as a star Wars fan is like being there from the inception of the fandom 
and seeing how it's permeated pop culture and living through every phase of it, like through the 80s, you know, into the late 80s and early 90s when were the dark years when like Star Wars was nowhere and no one talked about it. And then you had the resurgence in the early 90s and then they announced the prequels and the special editions all the way up to like today where you can't go anywhere. You can't walk into any store or any place without seeing just tons of Star Wars merchandise and Star Wars everywhere. I mean, we're, we're drowning in it and it's almost a bit much. And so, you know, that, that takes us through, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I was there for empire. I still remember reading the novelization of that before I saw the movie and finding out the revelation that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father and having that blow my nine-year-old mind. And, you know, I remember seeing Jedi when that came out and, you know, the excitement of finding out the prequels are coming out and going to see the special editions and then all the way through the prequels and, you know, up through today with the sequel trilogy and then the animated series and now the Mandalorian, I mean, it's, you know, and everything that was announced today, I find myself in this moment is just as excited about Star Wars as I was, you know, 40 years ago. Now, it was a bit of a circuitous route to get here because <laughs> yeah. I've never, my, my love for it, you know, like the Ember has never completely burned out, but, you know, it's waned. And, you know, when the prequels came out, I mean... You know, I went through uh, some denial uh, <laughs> initially <laughs> and was absolutely convinced that I, I, I love those movies, or at least I know the first one, The Phantom Menace. And I think the number of times we all collectively saw The Phantom Menace, we a lot of us were in denial. <laughs> well, you, you want to know something? I mean, Phantom Menace to this day stands as the movie that I have seen in the theater the most times. I saw it in the theater 12 times. I, I, that's, uh, I know friends who've seen it about that much, yeah. yeah. I, I saw it three times, include the midnight show. I saw it three times opening day. And yeah, so I mean, I made my peace with that trilogy. I mean, I, I don't hate it. I don't loathe it. I've just kind of written it off. You know, I think the greatest, I don't want to get too far off track here, but I think the greatest sin of the prequel trilogy is that narratively it's completely unnecessary. There is nothing that's covered in those movies that isn't covered in a few minutes of expositionary dialogue in the original trilogy. Like mm -hmm. it's all taken, it's all taken care of there. You don't need to see those movies to understand the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was, uh, uh you know, after post, uh, prequels, you know, it, it was on the wane a little bit. I mean, I, you know, still Star Wars fan, still loved it, but you know, the state of Star Wars was not someplace I was particularly excited about. Then, of course, Disney bought Lucasfilm. I loved The Force Awakens uh, when that came out; it was very exciting. Um, I recognize it as basically a reboot of A New Hope, and didn't really do anything, uh, you know, to to move the franchise forward. I mean, there were some great new characters I thought that were introduced, and. You know, I thought it was a very exciting kind of a reboot, recharge of the, the franchise. Um, I know there's some division on this. I am a fan of The Last Jedi, and while I acknowledge it as imperfect, I think narratively it's got some flaws. I think thematically it does some great things, and uh, I love it to pieces and will defend it. Mm -hmm. I think Rise of Skywalker was a smoldering piece of shit, and... <laughs> Uh, probably the worst Star Wars thing I've ever seen. And I've seen the 1978 holiday special. <laughs> now my, my fandom was reinvigorated this year. Well, I guess last year with the Mandalorian, um, I was excited about that. I thought it was a good direction for the franchise to go to serialize these stories. 
And I, I was a little lukewarm, to be honest with you, on the first season. I thought it leaned a little bit too much on the iconography of the original trilogy. Yes. A little bit, you know, a lot of familiar droids, a lot of familiar alien species. We once again visit Tatooine, which, I mean, you know, the only time I want to see a Death Star come back in the Star Wars universe is to blow up Tatooine because I'm, I'm really sick of that planet. <laughs> and yet we end up back on that planet repeatedly. I mean, they came back this season and I'll forgive it, but. Anyway, um, but but it ended on a strong note, and I was excited for where they were going to go with the show, and you know I, I thought overall it was a success. Then this last year, uh, you know, during the pandemic, and we all had more free time on our hands, I finally came around to watching the animated series Clone Wars and Rebels, which I had been for years hearing good things about and just never committed the time to doing. <laughs> and that's what took my fandom to the level that it is now, especially now that we're seeing the Mandalorian tying in. Uh, you know, storylines and characters from that. And I am like hardcore team Dave Filoni at this point. I think that guy needs to be handed the reins of the Star Wars franchise. And I don't know why that hasn't happened. So seeing, you know, these announcements today and, and assuming his involvement in at least one of those shows, you know, the Ahsoka show mm-hmm. has got me as excited as I've been for Star Wars probably since I was a kid. Well, okay. No, in fairness, probably since the anticipation of the Phantom Menace. So, you know, 20, yeah, 20 odd years. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a roller coaster ride, but I feel like I'm right back where I started. And that's, I think that's pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. That is very, very cool. Um, and yeah, I, I think different, different peaks and valleys, certainly. But yeah, I, I think I'll, uh, probably a lot of, a lot of fans are there. And, and I hope uh, a lot of them are excited right now with the content that we have there with the, the new season of the Mandalorian, the possibilities that have been opened up in the few episodes. Cause the se- second season isn't even over yet. Right. Uh, and then, yeah. So uh, at the time we're recording this Thursday, December 20th, Disney held this, their uh, presentation for their investor day, which is not a name I really care for, but Right. <laughs> I mean, their other one is D20, and that's not a really inspirational name either. So right, yeah. I, think, I think for, for Disney, I, you know, maybe branding, you know, try, try give these ones another shot. You, um, you think they could do better with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody, everybody will agree the big news to come out of this whole thing is that they are remaking Three Men and a Baby with Zac Efron. <laughs> I did not see that. Okay. I got I got overwhelmed with the uh, Mighty Duck series news. So wow, <laughs> the new Mighty Duck series. Yeah. Man, this is, they just keep oh. it coming. Oh um, wow, I didn't I didn't see that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean this was this was a four hour event. So if you were just following Disney on Twitter for four straight hours, they talked about new Pixar projects, new Disney live action, new Disney animation, um, the, certainly the Lucasfilm aspect, which covers mm-hmm. Star Wars as well as. The fifth Indiana Jones movie, a Willow TV series. They're going to be doing a series um, based on Children of Blood and Bone, which is a a young adult fantasy uh, novel that I I have and I want to read. Uh, It sounds pretty interesting, kind of like uh, it's a a magical thing, sort of like a Harry Potter or or, um, Game of Thrones, not Game of Thrones, uh, um, Hunger Games type of thing. Uh. Um, But it's all set in Africa and dealing with these African magical tribes. So kind of put the world of Wakanda and Black Panther spin on one of those things. Um, They also talked about all the the Marvel Cinematic Universe upcoming Mm -hmm. movies and all their new, you know, 10 new uh, shows that they've got. Um, We're going to be focusing on the Star Wars. So they announced 10 Disney Plus series, but I think they only announced nine. So I think they were counting Mandalorian among them. Um, Okay. And then two movies, which we'll get to at the end. 
Last year, we were looking ahead to the launch of Disney Plus with our very first live action series, The Mandalorian. Star Wars was moving into new territory in the streaming space on a brand new platform, creating an original series through groundbreaking technology and an entirely new approach to production and filmmaking. It was a big bet and a leap of faith. The Mandalorian debuted on Disney Plus in November of 2019, and the response has been overwhelming. We could not be more humbled by the reception to the show, the honor of seven Emmy Awards, and the enormous support our fans have shown us. With The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, we have ushered in an entirely new era for Star Wars, and there's more to come. So the first thing they said was, you know, you can still follow along the second season of Mandalorian. I believe Mandalorian has been confirmed for a third, possibly fourth season. Um, I know, I know, I know, I know third I, for I, sure. IMDb has a third season. But. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I think they're going to start filming soon. I, I think that's what I remember hearing, but I'm yeah. not 100% sure. Yeah. The first two new series that they talked about, and we'll take these in the order, um, both kind of spin off of The Mandalorian, or at least they're described as taking place within the timeline of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And the first one, big surprise, called Rangers of the New Republic. Right. Now, if it's if it has that title and it's set in the time of The Mandalorian, my first thought was, this sounds like a spinoff for Cara Dune, or Cara Dune, the character played by Gina Carano on The Mandalorian. My, I, I thought the same thing, yeah. But I can't imagine Disney would want to lock themselves to her right now. The other thing I thought, too, because, yeah, for reasons maybe we don't bring up during this podcast, but yes. Yeah, I mean, she's, without getting into the meat of it, she's persona non grata among a lot of fans. and, and Exactly. Know, yeah, people don't want to see her. I, we will. I mean, she, she publicly said some very anti-trans things. Um, right. And Pedro Pascal went on Twitter and tried to give her an out, tried to help her walk it back. And she didn't. <laughs> she yep. just, she, so it's like ugh. so I yeah I mean it certainly seems like Rangers of the New Republic it's it's kind of like what it looked like they were doing with her character right. so maybe this has been in development but they wouldn't have announced it if she's going to be this I can't imagine so I don't know what they're going to do I, I have no idea what this is going to do what they'll be doing with this but it might just be you know taking place I mean it's it's after Return of the Jedi maybe just sort of picking up the pieces and establishing frontier justice type of thing i don't know what they could do with this yeah i mean there's not a lot to go on obviously mm-hmm. they, they didn't get a synopsis nothing so obviously they set it the time frame and that's about it so i mean i am curious about it but i thought the same thing because i thought that, you know that same character and then i also kind of thought well you know things aren't going well with her now so i'm not sure you know to your point they would want to tie themselves to her and quite frankly independent of like whatever view she's espoused um gina carano is not a great actress. I really don't see her carrying a show. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that, that's also curious, you know, like what they would do with that. I mean, the one thing about it and one of the other shows, which, you know, I'll mention, uh, you know, when we get to it is it's, you know, as much as I like to see, you know, like some of these familiar faces and characters and storylines get revisited or brought to live action, I am genuinely, you know, my interest is generally peaked in these uh, stories uh, that seem to be about something completely different and unrelated to what we know so far. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the case here, what, you know, what kind of connective tissue it's going to have to, I mean, maybe if it even somehow ties into the, you know, 
like the sequel trilogy somehow. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But I'm curious about it. I mean, you know, obviously, post-Mandalorian, I'm willing to give, you know, any live-action Star Wars show or any show, you know, live-action or otherwise, a chance. So, right. yeah, right. I guess it remains to be seen what that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. This one maybe at least you know, probably the most vague. All, all we really have as a title, but yeah, just right. One. Right. Uh, the other one, a direct spinoff of uh, The Mandalorian, um, said in that same time period, is what probably everybody saw coming after the last couple of weeks is mm-hmm. Ahsoka. Yeah. Uh, we are getting the Ahsoka series starring Rosario Dawson. Um, I remember, you know, seeing her live action in the, the Jedi episode of the Mandalorian. And I was like, that was a really good integration. And, you know, having all these questions, could they possibly do more with her? I was like, is she going to be a regular in the season? And then I was like, why did she mention Grand Admiral Thrawn at the end of this episode? That's a really weird Right, like non sequitur to throw into this series, this show, because he's not going to be the big bad of the show. Where are they going? I was like, that really only makes sense if this is like a backdoor pilot for a Ahsoka series. And I was like, oh, of course that's what it was. Duh, of course that's what they're they're saying. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, and, like yeah. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously you you jumped into Clone Wars and Rebels in this series. So what do you think? Number one, excited about it. Great casting. I thought she was fantastic. I mean, you know, she brought that role to life. Um, you know, Ahsoka, for anyone that's seen The Clone Wars and Rebels, even though she's kind of of a peripheral character in Rebels mostly, I mean, she's hands down the single most significant character in the Star Wars universe that, that has not appeared in a film. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she is, she's one of the best Star Wars characters. She just is. Yeah. And, you know, watching those last four episodes of Clone Wars, you know, that, that, all, that, that, that one narrative that runs concurrent with the events of Revenge of the Sith, that's all from her point of view, you know, it just made me realize, you know, another flaw that they, you know, of the prequel trilogy, which was, you know, they didn't give us a point of view of a character that, like, wasn't immediately involved in these events or that we didn't already have a history with. So it was like there was kind of no real drama or tension in terms of what's going to happen with this character. We knew it was going to happen to Obi-Wan. We knew it was going to happen to Anakin. I mean, imagine how much better that trilogy could have been if you had an Ahsoka character in there. And, you know, in Revenge of the Sith, she's somehow involved in that final duel between them. And now something's at stake because what's going to happen to this character, we don't know. And seeing that play out the way it did, uh, you know, in those last four episodes, I mean, you know, I've told... Everyone this that, I, that I've talked to about it is if you string those last four episodes together into a film and you, you make that a movie, it would be my third favorite Star Wars movie behind uh, Empire and New Hope. It's that good. It's, I mean, it's completely fantastic. And so to see her you know, graduate to a live action role and to be, I think, very well cast is very exciting. She's a very interesting character. You know, especially like, you know, the I think it was the end of the fifth season of Clone Wars where she, you know, is expelled from the Jedi Order and they invite her back and she says no. And so she's like this rogue. And what I'm hoping for in this show, I mean, for one thing, I'm glad they're doing this because I want to see that show. I'm also glad that they're not going to water down uh, the narrative of the Mandalorian by bringing in all these other characters you know like with Thrawn on top of Moff Gideon and then you know Boba Fett's back so it's a little cleaner it's like okay this is going to spin off into its own thing and we we get two separate stories and I like that I I loved what they did in that episode with you know where obviously the spaghetti western influences came to the forefront you know in particular with that 
you know, showdown between uh, um, with, with the, the Mandalorian and Michael Bean's character at yeah. the end. Yep. I mean, it was fantastic. But I really liked how they flavored in the uh, the Eastern influence. Yeah, it was it was half Western, half Samurai, which was the two biggest Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what I'm hopeful for is obviously we're getting the spaghetti Western version of Star Wars with the Mandalorian. I would like to see an Ahsoka series that has more of those Eastern influences mm-hmm. and delves more into the mysticism of the force and kind of adds that element to it, you know, yeah, especially as, as she appears to be at, at least in that episode, she's what we would consider a Ronin. She is, you know, the, the, exactly. the samurai without a master. She is not part of the, I mean, at this stage, there is really no Jedi order, but it right. doesn't seem like she's in any rush to see Luke Skywalker or connect with him or, or reinvent it. She has her own understanding of the force. And I definitely think there's an arc of like, might she reconnect with the Jedi in her own story or will she be given the chance and, and walk away and strike her own course? Yeah, there's definitely stuff to go there. But. And, and I would love to see, you know, in this series, I mean, you know, there's, there's I have a list of things I'm kind of tired of seeing in star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned Tatooine death stars <laughs> or death star stand-ins, you know, super weapons or whatever. Uh, I'm kind of done with Jedi um, because I think, you know, and, and, and Filoni touched on this, you know, a, a few places in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels where there's all this whole other aspect of the Force and Force users that aren't Jedi, that aren't Sith. Right. And I want to see them get weird with the Force. You know, yeah. like the the episodes in, in, in Clone Wars where they went to that planet with the father and the sister and the uh, yeah. the son and the daughter. Yeah. Or like the, the Witches of Daphne. The, the Witches of the Dark Knight Sisters. Yes. I love those. I love those. I, in I, Rebels, I, when they met when they met Bendu or yeah, the Bendu, yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yes. So that's what I want to see in this. I want to see her exploring the farther, you know, because I mean, it, it stands to reason if she's looking for Thrawn, you know, Ezra might, you know, from Rebels might come back into play. And last time we saw them, they were, you know, being warped into like the far reaches of like the mm-hmm. un, unknown space. That's why I want to see this show. Be, you know, I want to see it there and see some weirdness, you know, and see some right. weird mystical force stuff. So I hope that's the direction they go with it. But I mean, and, as it, long and as it, it seems like it seems like if if Filoni was going to do something, he might explore that avenue because we do kind of know what happens with the Jedi based on the sequel trilogy. Good point. That's a good point. That yeah, that story's kind of been told. Yeah. So I mean, and, and I mean, I don't. I didn't see if they announced or there's any indication that Filoni is going to be the showrunner. I think you and I both assume he will be. And I place myself in his very capable hands to tell the story he's going to tell. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, yeah, I assume I, I would think Ahsoka is as much his baby as maybe his actual breathing children, but I, I would, yeah, like I, I can't I would imagine think, him. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's his character. I mean, yeah. and, you know, from his show and, uh, you know, he wrote and directed, you know, what we now know is a backdoor pilot for it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stands the reason he's running the show, and he should be. So, yeah. all right. Um, the next two shows that they've announced are actually ones that they they announced a long time ago when they first kind of kicked off the Disney Plus. Um, they actually have official names now. Uh, the first one is called simply Andor, and this is the story of Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna from the movie Rogue One. Uh, this series is going to debut in 2022. They did release a sizzle reel uh, showing kind of like a lot of the production of it. And one thing that I noted it was interesting was one of the creatives in the sizzle reel said 12 episodes. 
which makes right. me think it's either going to be one longer 12 episode season or possibly two shorter six episode seasons. But either way, I mean, it, it stands to reason they have a finite story they can do with him because we know what happens to him in Rogue One. Right. I, I said I liked everything about Rogue One except for the characters. <laughs> I've, I've sort of said I'm it. right there with you. 100% yeah. agree. I love the tone. I love the feel, the look, the action, the world building, the uh, like, especially the the set pieces, the grittiness of it. I just the script never made me care at all about any of these people. So if this show can actually make me get me invested in Cassian Andor and and care about his journey, I'm I'm hoping for that. I, I, I because I do want to revisit a little bit of that world and see some of the state of the Rebel Alliance in that and, and where he came up and what happened to him. So I. I'm equal parts excited for this one uh, just because I'm hoping that it can make me make me and, and maybe actually make me feel a different way about Rogue One in the way that the Clone Wars made me feel a little bit better about the prequel movies. So, you know, I mean, you have the exact same uh, feeling about that movie that I do. I know that most people generally consider that the best movie of the Disney era. I, I disagree. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the exact same. I love the story, but yeah, I did not give a shit about it. I mean, like by the end of it, like you had characters joining them for like no discernible reason. I mean, right. that, uh, is it Donnie? Uh, what's, what's that? Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Cool character and, him, and, and, and his, you know, life partner, whoever that guy was supposed to be. But I, I, I've seen the movie a few times. I'm like, why did they join them? They, like, they, just, they just were like, they met them in the street and said, okay, let's go die. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, so, yes. I, so I have the exact same feeling about this. Because for one thing, um, you know, I, li- I like Diego Luna as an actor. I thought uh, his character was interesting. And it, it, he had a great intro as a character where mm-hmm. he's on that planet. He's trying to get some information from a contact. The contact is, uh, is injured and he makes that decision to kill him so he can escape with the information he just got. And it's like, wow, that really kind of sets up a really interesting, you know, like where this guy's at in terms of what he's willing to do. And it just wasn't really, you know, they, they didn't really explore it too much with any of these characters. It just became kind of this, uh, you know, dirty dozen type of thing. And they just put them all together. And then, yeah, almost you know, every, almost every one of his decisions after that kind of contradicts that behavior in that first. Exactly. Scene. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I like that. And it'll be interesting, you know, and I, I am also curious to see, you know, if we're going to get this, any kind of tie-ins with, with rebels, you know, with the characters from mm-hmm. that show, mm-hmm. you know, same time period. And obviously, you know, I, I think what, what, uh, Filoni did with Rebels in terms of kind of giving the backstory, if you will, of how the Rebel Alliance came to be was really cool, and how all these different cells that were all over the, the galaxy acting separately suddenly mm-hmm. kind of you know. And so I, I'd be curious to see if that happens. But I also like this idea of you kind of had this guy who you know, I mean, the, you know, quite a, he's a classic anti-hero in terms of mm-hmm. uh, you know morally ambiguous and what he's willing to do to you know. To, to get what he needs to achieve his ends and the idea that he's a spy you know yeah. you've seen a lot of rebel like you know frontline rebel soldiers and you know the the commanders and the leaders and but the people in the back alleys like getting the information and and, and making the deals and you know doing the you know the, the the unseemly things that have to happen for these things to to come to come to pass i think is interesting 
yeah, you know, it's not quite the Star Wars Underworld story, you know, like show <laughs> that, you know, we were they talked about in the past, like, you know, with like the Boba Fett movie. But it touches on that. It's definitely going to be the, the seedier, shady side of Star Wars. So I think that, that that has a lot of interesting possibilities. I just thought this would be an interesting place to introduce a live action version of Hera from Rebels. Um, yeah. she by the time they got to the Battle of Yavin, like she was supposed to be with the Alliance then, and I think they've even said like Chopper is in the background of like you know one of the the Rebel hangers or something in in Rogue One. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, I, I love to see all that and Zeb and you know yep, they, yep. they they kind of cool uh, if they can they can tie them in somehow. Uh, the other one that a lot of people were have been waiting for and expecting for a long time, they did confirm they were working on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and it is called Obi-Wan Kenobi. It will, of course, star Ewan McGregor. It is set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. But the big shocker, and even somewhat of a head-scratcher, uh, they have said that Hayden Christensen will reprise his role as Darth Vader. Now, yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> the fans of our generation, I, I think we both think Hayden Christensen wasn't a very good part of the prequel trilogy. No. Um, certainly younger fans. I know younger fans loved Anakin Skywalker and they, they, they stand Hayden Christensen. He does have a lot of fans. I can't think of any reason why you would need him to come back if he's just in the armor so my only thinking is they'll have to have some kind of flashback or or some scene of him as anakin skywalker as or outside of the armor because you wouldn't cast you wouldn't bring him back and put him in the suit of armor you would get whoever did it in rogue one or whatever there must be some kind of flashback or force visions to have to bring him back yeah, my 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 exact same thoughts. I'm like, he's not going to be the David Prowse of the show. That would make zero sense. And you know, in defense of Aiden Christensen, I will say that I think he's a fine actor. I think he was hobbled by not great scripts mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. director who just does not work with actors at all. Yeah. yeah. So you you kind of have to be like a next level actor, you know, like a Harrison Ford or mm-hmm. Hugh McGregor to like overcome that. So, I mean, he was kind of set adrift, like, yeah, you know, no, no, in, yeah, in those I, movies. And yeah, I agree he, with that. Cause I don't, I don't think, I mean, there was a lot of really talented actors in those movies and I don't think hardly any of them. Looked, I think Liam Neeson might've been the only one who managed to like pull off. I think Ewan McGregor did well for himself in Revenge of the Sith. I think he put that, as a matter of fact, I think he put that movie on his shoulders. If Revenge of the Sith works at all, it's because of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I mean, even Natalie Portman, who was an Oscar-winning actress, is kind of terrible in those movies. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that goes to show you, you know, what they were dealing with. But, yeah, and, you know, on my list of things, I'm kind of – I'm of two minds about the Obi-Wan series. Excited about it because I love Ewan McGregor, and I do think it's – it's. I mean, it, it's cool to see him have it aged into the role and to see what he can do with it because I do think he was, you know – pretty great in uh, Revenge of the Sith and he seems to have a lot of excitement and enthusiasm for the character. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But again, it kind of goes back to this thing of, you know, and it, it looks like Disney's kind of straddling this at this point of like, you know, one foot in the past and one foot in the future where we're mining, you know, these old stories. And it's like, I'm not sure how interested I am in, you know, that time period for Obi-Wan. I mean, he appears briefly in Rebels and, 
what was an amazing episode with Darth mm-hmm. Maul, and I thought mm-hmm. that was phenomenal. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with this character. I mean, especially with Darth Vader is going to be in it because it's pretty clear by you know from the events of A New Hope and the events of, of Rebels that he, he he's not connected to anything that's happening in terms of like the rebellion. I mean, he's like right. just on this planet on his own. Right. So I mean, you know, the only thing, I, the only way I think it makes sense for me is you know like if he's having these little side adventures that maybe aren't tied into like the bigger galactic struggle which obviously would have to play in the background to some degree but i can't get too cute with it because you know when we meet him in a new hope he's a hermit who's completely disconnected from everything that's happening so it's like they can't really bring him into it too much so and then bringing darth vader into it you know hayden christensen notwithstanding i'm not sure how i feel about that because again He's on my list of we, – we've told this story, man. His story has been told. It's been run into the ground. I'm kind of tired of Darth Vader. And just for the record, James Earl Jones is 90 years old. So I'm hoping Disney has him in a recording studio just reading the dictionary in a Darth Vader voice <laughs> because eventually they're going to hit a wall and you know he's, he's unfortunately going to shuffle off his mortal coil and <laughs> – they're not going to have anybody voice this character because he is the character. So right. it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But again, I mean, you know, I'm open to see what they're going to do. And, you know, there's a lot to like about what this could be. So, you know, I'm willing to to be surprised and, and hope it turns out well. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you touched on because of what has been established with the characters and their timeline, they have a very narrow window of what they can do. Right with Obi Wan in this time period, um, and I mean there there is stuff that they can do. And, and um, for instance, there was there was a expanded universe novel that came out uh, early two thousand teens called Kenobi, um, mm-hmm. which was good. It was a good story about basically just him when he first settled and, and meeting like this this other village on Tatooine and everything. But you kind of look at it, it's like okay, I feel like. <laughs> How, if they do this, how much is it is it going to feel like what we've seen in the Mandalorian very recently and stuff like that? And I, so I just, right. yeah, yeah, I just, it's, I, I wonder if the, the the time period for when this story would have been relevant has passed. But I don't know. I I would like to I would like to see Ewan McGregor get another shot to play this character. So that's probably the driving interest for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. is like I'm not sure what it could be because you know, like to your point, is like yeah, we're seeing a lot of this. I mean, it would, you know, would it be set on Tatooine? I'm not sure how much he can spend time off-world, considering his one goal at this point, his one mission, is to watch over Luke. Right. So it's not like he's running around the galaxy, or at least he shouldn't be. So, yeah. So I guess we'll just have to see on that one. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. The uh, the next series that they announced, um, which I actually I had heard about this a little while ago, uh, another animated series spinning off of the seventh and final season of the Clone Wars. It's a series called The Bad Batch. Uh, and this is a group of clone soldiers that all kind of had some sort of genetic defect in their programming that made them kind of like outsiders. So this is a dirty dozen suicide squad type of crew uh, that kind of go on like the the deadliest, most severe special missions. Um, I don't know like the timing of this or when this would act like, are they... Because they're they're introduced just before the end of Clone Wars, so like, will they be part of the Empire? I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure exactly the time period for this, but it's called the Bad Batch, and it's about this kind of like rogue uh, clone clone trooper set, um, and it's a spinoff from Clone Wars. Any interest in this? I mean, if 
if they felt like those weren't my favorite episodes of Clone Wars, and if I don't know if Dave Filoni isn't overseeing this, supervising this directly, I don't know how interested I am in this. Yeah, I mean, my assumption, you know, like with Ahsoka, is that he will be involved. I mean, you know, these are his characters. And yeah, so I mean, I mean, I remember those episodes. I thought they were fine. I mean, it was like early in season seven, and I mean, you know, it looks like now that, like, with the you know the 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 that episode of the Mandalorian with Ahsoka, that that served as kind of a backdoor pilot to introduce these characters. And you know, I watched the uh, you know the I don't know if it was the sizzle reel or they call it the trailer that, and I was trying to discern the time period, and it was kind of hard to tell what was going. It was a lot of quick cuts and action sequences and explosions. So I'm curious if it's going to be like a prequel, you know, like they're, you know, like during the events of the Clone Wars or if it's going to be what happens to them after, uh, you know, Order 66 and the formation of the uh, Galactic Empire. Um, I would prefer to see the latter. Um, I mean, I feel like the book is closed on the Clone Wars. I'm not sure if I want to revisit that time period. I think it was done. It was done well, but it's over. So, I mean, I mean, the, you, know, I, I, you know, they were like in, I think, maybe two, three episodes at the most. I know that much invested in the characters they were cool mm-hmm. archetypes and you know there was like you know i mean the one guy who was blatantly john rambo and <laughs> and you know you have you know you have you like you said the dirty dozen the usual you know the one guy's the marksman the one guy or the expendables the, type of the, expend, the expendables exactly yeah. so I, i'm open to it i mean you know uh i i would watch it and check it out but yeah i, I would kind of hope and i think it'd be more interesting to see what happens to these uh these guys after the events of Revenge of the Sith and Order sixty six, and maybe they're you know they're they're kind of just you know, rogues wandering the galaxy and doing whatever that that might be a more interesting story. But yeah, if it's if it's not directly Dave Filoni involved and it's set during the events of the Clone Wars, I'm not sure where my interest would be either. Right. Uh, the next one, another animated project. Uh, it's a series of animated short films called Star Wars Visions. And the thing about these short films is they are all coming from Japanese anime creators. Uh, I think this would be very, very cool because I, I think I haven't read a ton of like or, or really any Star Wars manga, but I've seen like depictions of that. And I just think that that style really kind of lends itself to some some interesting visual things with Star Wars. And there's there's an animated fan film you've probably seen it about a tie fighter battle like uh, rebel versus uh, empire battle and it's mostly about like these tie fighter pilots taking on the rebels uh and it's done in an anime style looks like something like out of the 80s um really really fun for just like five minutes thing and if they could do like a movie something like that and that's how i think this could be this could be pretty interesting yeah, I'm not, actually not familiar with that. That sounds pretty... I'll, I'll, send, you a, I'll send you a link to it. I think. Yeah, send me a link. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I didn't pay that close attention to this one. I mean, I saw it. I glanced at it. Like, you know, I was looking at the... You know, I saw most of this on, on the uh, Star Wars Twitter feed. Um, it does sound interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big anime guy, um, but, you know, like a, a, an interesting, you know, like a new perspective on Star Wars, like a new approach, I would definitely be open to. And, yeah, I, I would check that out. That does actually sound kind of cool. Um, the next one, this one I was, I was happy that they announced because I predicted this uh, over a year ago once, once it became clear that they were gonna, these shows were going to be a hit. Lando. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was described in the, in the tweet about it as an event series. And the fact that they use that word, I'm kind of getting the impression that this will be 
like a like a one off, like not like a recurring series, but maybe just four, six something, however many episodes, and that'll be it. Maybe that's all they could get Donald Glover for. Once once Disney launched, like when when they first announced these these projects with um with the the Disney Plus, and after the Mandalorian's first episode came out, I was like, okay, this is where. Because like the solo was a financial loss for them, they, they right. kind of bombed out. They blamed a lot of things on on, on solo. I was like, so that was never going to get a sequel. They set it up for sequels, and there was a lot of potential there, but it just they weren't going to do a second movie because of what it cost them to make that one. But ever there was such goodwill, especially for Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. I was like, yep. they're not going to want to squander that. I don't see them giving him his own movie. But I could see them giving him a Disney Plus TV series, and lo and behold, they have announced that that's what they're going to do. So this does not surprise me. I'm just I'm happy that they have committed to it. Yeah, I 100% agree. It was something that I had speculated and and hoped for. You know, say what you will about the Last Jedi and the arguments about it. Uh, I think Solo might be the most unfairly maligned Star Wars movie. I, 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 I really like that movie. Now, it's not perfect. I have issues with it, but it's a lot of fun. And I thought Alden, uh, I can never say his name, Aaron Alden Reich. Aaron, Aaron Reich. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Harrison Ford's got some big shoes to fill, man. <laughs> and I thought he did a serviceable job. And especially if you're, you know, that was supposed to be like 11 years before the events of uh, A New Hope. So if you're dealing with like a 20, 21, 22-year-old Han Solo you know, he wouldn't quite be, had the swagger and the bravado that the, you know, the early 30s Han Solo we meet in the New Hope would have. He hasn't seen as much. So, you know, I, I can see, you know, how some of the awkwardness and the stiltedness of Alden's performance works for the character as he's kind of feeling his way into this person he would be. So I will defend that to my, I mean, I thought he did a great job. And my hope is that, and, and, and I mean, enough can't be said about how great Donald Glover was. And I hope to God that he milked Disney for everything he could get. I hope they are paying him through the nose to get him to do this because <laughs> he, he deserves every million dollars they're going to give him. And I hope it's a lot. Yeah. And I agree with you. They probably couldn't get him to sign on for more than like, you know, like a season. So yeah, they're calling it a mini series, but I hope they, they bring back Olden and I hope, uh, if the uh, desire is there from the fan base, mm-hmm. the reaction is positive that maybe they can spin off into a, a solo series because I would watch the shit out of that, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, I loved, uh, I loved the relationship they established with Chewbacca. I mean, what, what I think is great about Solo, what, one of its best points of Solo is it is the first and only Star Wars movie to give Chewbacca some agency as a character. Mm. And it's like he's not just a sidekick standing there growling like he you know like there's the moment where he's like got to decide if he's going to go with the guy who saved his life or go with his people and he decides you know i have this life dead i'm going to go with this dude and they touch heads i'm like that's like the most profound character moment chewbacca has had in any star wars movie Mm -hmm. and it was it was great and it was independent of you know other characters i mean yeah there's the howl he you know he gives off when han solo gets you know dropped into the carbonite but i mean that was about han solo and about that story this is about him and his story yeah so i would love to see that and you can explore that and 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 those two together and you know i thought the kessel run was done fantastically i thought you know the the, yeah and 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 lando was pitch perfect donald glover nailed it he crushed it 
And yes, I am there all day for Donald Glover as Lando, whatever they're going to do in that. I, I'd go see a movie. I knew they weren't going to make a movie. I knew you were, you know, like you said, that there's no way they were going to do that. But yeah, so I'm, 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 this is top of my list, probably below, just just barely below Ahsoka, I think, in terms <laughs> of excitement level for ser- the series they announced that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, if if they want to use this as an avenue for like playing off some of the, the, the loose threads from Solo, if they want to bring back Solo and Chewie and, and Kira and deal with like the Crimson Dawn, like Fallout and that, there's, they certainly could. Um, but I also think he, he, Glover was compelling enough as Lando that he could carry it on his own and they could just do completely original stuff with him. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I'm fine either way. I, I, I wouldn't have a problem if they, if they do bring Solo and Chewie back, that would be cool too. But I, I don't think, I, I don't think they need that because I just think that's how good Glover was as 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 Lando. So yeah, really excited. For oh that yeah, one. I totally agree, and I definitely wouldn't want to see this like serving as like a backdoor sequel to Solo necessarily. I want it to be its own thing and tell its own story. But I wouldn't, yeah, like I wouldn't mind Solo and Chewie popping in, and then like you know, like I said, maybe that could be a springboard to them then getting their own thing. I think that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one, curious. This one is called the Acolyte. Uh, and it's described as a mystery thriller, which will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. Now, the High Republic is an era that they have announced they are going to be dealing with next year, but they haven't. Um, it was going to kick off in an event of a series of books that was supposed to come out back in July. Um, but they got pushed back. So they're, I think they're supposed to debut now in January. It's going to be a novel and a couple of children's books uh, to, to start off with. But essentially, the High Republic is this era 200 years before the Phantom Menace. It's an, it's an era of expansion and colonization around the galaxy as the, the Republic is kind of expanding and increasing its territory. The Jedi Knights are plentiful, but there's some crazy new threat and they haven't exactly explained what it is it's not the sith it's not you know darksiders it's something that the jedi have never seen before or at least we don't think they've ever seen it before um but this says it's a it's a show set in the final days of the high republic dealing with the emergency emerging dark side powers the only thing i can think about this is is if this somehow ties into the rise of Palpatine's master, um, Darth Plagueis. Right. And because I think he was an alien and I don't know how long he actually lived or how long he was around. But if, if this possibly, if the Sith were supposed to have been gone for so long, like where, when did they come back? And possibly this might sort of set up the, the reemergence of the Sith as a secret order that will eventually lead to the rise of Palpatine as Darth Sidious and his takeover. But we don't really have, don't know anything else about it other than that. So, yeah, I mean, this, you know, next to, uh, you know, Rangers of the new Republic, probably the two series we know the least about. Mm-hmm. And considering that this one is completely divorced from any star Wars narrative that, you know, anyone is familiar with at this point, probably, you know, the most, you know, mysterious, which, yeah, in that respect, I think it's, it's, it's definitely the one that's piqued my interest the most because, you know, again, you know, we talked about how, you know, Disney has kind of got, you know, they're straddling the line here with one foot in the past, one foot in the future. And, you know, as much as I like to see, you know, characters I'm familiar with, like Thrawn, Soka, they're getting their due and that's great. 
But, you know, obviously where this franchise needs to go is, you know, with new stories, new characters, and not just rehashing, you know, the same old plots and, and, you know, the same familiar faces over and over again. So in that respect, like I'm, you know, I've been curious since they announced this, this whole high Republic thing and what that's going to be. And I was like, this is an interesting direction because they're getting away from, you know, the Skywalker saga and the galactic civil war and all the familiar tropes that, you know, we all associate with star Wars at this point. So, I mean, you, you know, you have an interesting theory about how that might tie in to, you know, Palpatine's rise and his master. I'm hopeful kind of that it doesn't, I I really would like this to be its own thing and tell Mm -hmm. some new unique stories with new characters. Obviously the Jedi are going to be involved because this is supposed to be an era when the Jedi are like at their peak. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, we don't know who creatively who's involved. Like we know nothing about what this is going to be. And like you said, the book says not even, even come out yet. So it's like, we yeah. know nothing about this era other than what they've told us. Yeah. So this, this might be the most interesting one in terms of what it could be. And so I'm definitely, definitely very, very curious about what this develops into. Yeah. I mean, I, I can also see, I mean, you know, if, if the books don't sell well or if it's not met with a lot of, uh, I mean, maybe this one, I can also see maybe falling off the radar and just not getting mentioned again in a year, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, hopefully they got, they, you know, Lucasfilm, you know, Disney really needs to be putting their most talented people into these parts of the Star Wars universe that are the new, where they're exploring and pushing mm-hmm. the envelope, because they, they really got they got they got they they have to get a slam dunk with that. They can't yeah. have you know they can't be half measures. They have to come out with something that's fantastic, or else it's just going to fail. Yeah. All right. The last TV series that they have announced for the last project for Disney Plus is right now just called a Droid Story. Uh, it's an animated one, but different than the animated project that they've been talking about before, because this one is being held by Disney animation, their own, their own Disney studios and, and a partnership with industrial light and magic. Uh, and it just says it will introduce an original character, an original hero who will be guided by R2D2 and C3PO. Um, I'm excited for this one just because I've always loved the droids. It's one of my favorite little corners of, of uniqueness in the star Wars ga- galaxy. Um, right. I love R2 and 3PO and I love original droid. Like that's one of the things that I have liked about the sequel trilogy is I like all of the new droid characters that they introduce. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, like the idea of like this one being done by Disney animation and ILM, like working together in concert, you know, I like as much as I like rebels and, and, and uh, clone wars and everything, I want to see a different style, a different animated style approach to some of these uh, some of these stories. And I think this could be very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned the droids animated series from the eighties. That was the first thing I thought. I'm like, we <laughs> literally, we literally got this already, didn't we? So <laughs> I'd yeah, love I, an I, update of that. If for no other reason, right. that song again, There's the droids <laughs> theme song was perfect. Yeah. I, I do remember that show. Um, yeah. I, I, I um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm interested in this one. I am, to be honest with you. Well, put it to you this way: out of all the ones we've discussed, out of all the ones they announced, this is probably the one that's lowest interest level for me. Well, doesn't mean I won't watch it or give it a chance, but yeah, I, I watch a lot more Disney animated movies now than I used to. I'll just, so I'll just say, <laughs> I'll say with that in mind. Like then, yeah, I, I, this might be more up my alley than it is. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> 
All right. And then the last things uh, they announced, because it seemed like they were done with Star Wars for a minute, because that's when they started announcing uh, like the Willow TV series and a few other Lucasfilm projects. But then they came back to tell us that there will be two new Star Wars features coming out. Um, One, again, this one had been sort of announced or teased a while ago. Um, We still don't know any more than that, other than there is an unnamed project being written and directed by Taika Waititi. Um, I'm excited for that just because of, he's just oh, yeah. energetic. He's, he's a great filmmaker. He has a great voice and the stylistic eye from his work on Thor Ragnarok and the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder. Going back to like his, his other projects, um, like what we do in the shadows. Yep. He has worked in the Star Wars universe. He directed the, the finale of, uh, of Mandalorian season one and he voiced IG 11. Um, so this is clearly a property that he cares about. And, and I don't know what type of story he's going to tell or what type of characters will be involved, but just his involvement. I am definitely interested and in. I'm all in for this one. Yeah, me 100%. And, um, it's kind of funny is I'm not even sure this had even been hinted at or teased yet because last winter, your listeners might not know this, but I live in Los Angeles. And last winter, my girlfriend and I went and saw a screening of, of Jojo Rabbit that he, mm-hmm. he, he wrote and directed. And it was with a Q&A with him afterwards. And phenomenal, by the way. I mean, I love the movie, but he was I mean, he's exactly what you would imagine him being. He was just kind of weird and goofy and hilarious and playing off the audience. And like, you know, this, this, this poor beleaguered moderator was trying to ask him these questions about the movie and he had no interest in answering them. And he was just riffing and it was phenomenal. But somebody in the audience asked him, uh, it must've been when the rumors were already starting where like they said, you know, are you ever going to be involved in star Wars? And he kind of gave this cagey kind of answer that, basically was yes and it was the first time i know you know it been made known to me that he was going to be involved in that and i mean i was I, I i i almost you know jumped out of my seat i was so excited i was like that is i mean if there's not a more perfect marriage of material and creative you know creative i i can't think of one i mean thor ragnarok is just majestic and it's just i mean what he does with that it's so silly and so cartoonish but so epic and amazing and it all just works. And whatever he does with Star Wars, I, I truly, truly hope that Lucasfilm is going to give him a blank check. I want him to make whatever Star Wars movie he feels like making because that's what the franchise needs. It needs that kind of fresh blood and creative vision from you know people like him. And uh, yeah, I'm just on board with anything he's going to do. I mean, like if 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 this announcement is like if I went to a coma right now and came out of my coma as the movie was opening and I knew nothing else about what I'd, I'd be there day one. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to know what it's called. I don't need to know what it's about. I just need to know that Taika Waititi is directing a Star Wars movie. My ticket is sold. Yeah. Co-sign that. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, then the last one, which if, if possible, got me even more excited for it um, because I didn't know what they were talking about because this one they introduced with a little mini teaser video um, and we see Patty Jenkins, the director mm-hmm. of the Wonder Woman movies, but among other things, it starts off, she's sort of like rollerblading or roller skating or, or skateboarding or something. I don't know. Um, 
but she's like on like this open like field like a tarmac or something and she gets to her car and she starts talking about how her father was a a fighter pilot um and she saw him flying f4s and it was such a profound experience for her and he ended up dying in service of his country and ever since then she's always wanted to kind of helm the definitive fighter pilot movie um but she never knew like what what the story was she couldn't grasp like you know what it was so she's like until now i finally found the story hook and it combines two of my favorite things and as she's doing this she's sort of like changing her outfit and everything and she lifts up into view a pilot's helmet but in particular a star wars fighter pilot's helmet and she puts it on and she walks off away from her car and she's putting on an orange jumpsuit and she's walking towards an x-wing and the title comes up rogue squadron this, like I, this hit me like in, in like so like I, I literally I looked at it, I was just like holy shit I did not see that coming like I like I was like I was following it like of course that's what she was describing the whole time but I didn't know that I was watching a Star Wars like teaser or whatever because it didn't say right. it at first right um but Rogue Squadron from the first time they were mentioned as the the snow speeder unit that Luke Skywalker was leading the Empire Strikes Back and then afterwards there was a series of novels in the 90s called Rogue Squadron there was a series of comic books and they followed after the Death Star with Wedge Antilles leading this crew and everything like that on their little you know part top gun part James Bond kind of like missions and everything these things right still trying to fight the empire i love those stories uh that, that's along with droids and jedis i've always loved like the the combat like the the space fighting aspects of star wars so to have a to have patty jenkins leading a a, a rogue squadron a, a movie about like a, you know x-wing fighter combat and everything in i i'm just so excited for this one i'm so there and and a friend like one of our friends was like does this mean you're gonna have wedge and Maybe that would be cool, but I don't need that. Um, that's that's kind of one of the things that I learned from the Mandalorian is that I don't I don't need Boba Fett to be back. You know, right, <laughs> like, right, like I loved right. Boba Fett as a kid, and then the prequels made me not like Boba Fett so much. And then the Mandalorian gave me the Boba Fett stories that I always wanted to see. Um, right. So when they actually bring Boba Fett back, I was like, oh, this feels a little extraneous. I don't think I need this. Um, so, I mean, Rogue Squadron, they could introduce a completely new cast of characters. Um, if it's Wedge, if it's not, I don't I don't care. Just uh, like the, the premise alone, I'm excited for and the director, too. So I, I'm pumped for this one. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with you on that. I mean, I think in terms of who they announced for these movies, they're two for two. They got some great talents, and I was like, and I watched that that teaser, and it's 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 fantastic. I mean, there's uh, so Alfred Hitchcock would make trailers for his movies that weren't about the movies. He's got yeah. a famous one for Psycho, where it's just him taking the audience through a tour of the house. And saying like these horrible things happen here, you don't really see anything of the movie or learn much what it's about. And so it put me in the mind of that, where I'm like, this is like one of the best teaser trailers I've seen that doesn't show me anything about the movie. I'm like, it's this great setup of what the movie is gonna be, and it was brilliant. And so yeah, that got me excited, and it immediately made me start wondering, okay, so you know, when is it gonna be set? Because you mentioned the books. Now, the books are no longer canon. 
Right. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, and I read a lot of those, you know, in, their, in the 90s, starting with like the Thrawn trilogy and Air of mm-hmm. the Empire and the Rogue Squadron. I read a lot of those books. And so it's, it, it's hard for me now as, you know, like you see Thrawn come back in Rebels, but it's not the Thrawn that I know because right. that Thrawn's not canon. So they kind of just brought Thrawn. So it's like you, you're, it's like you, you have the two different timelines and you don't know which one is the one that's, so I don't know what is canon for Rogue Squadron anymore. I know. Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, yeah. So obviously it's created, you know, Empire Strikes Back is, you know, is the origin of it, or at least shortly before those the events of that. And Luke Skywalker was Rogue Leader. I know Wedge eventually became Rogue Leader. And then what happens, like, post-Jedi, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So would it be set... In, you know, concurrently with the, you know, like the events, like, you know, maybe the year between Empire and Jedi and Wedge is leading the squadron. Is it, you know, the events after uh, Jedi with, you know, the, the, them as part of the New Republic? In, in which case, like, I, I guess they would be fighting the remnants of the Empire at that point. So that would be like the, the driving catalyst. But yeah, th- yes, yeah. unless they introduce some other kind of threat some other kind of villain in the in the meantime right um, that would that they would need to pick up yeah those are good questions i have no idea but uh yeah yeah i think again like thinking back to the t i think the teaser was more about sort of establishing her bona fides um right patty jenkins will be the first woman to direct a star wars movie um they've had they've had female directors on the mandalorian and other projects um but she'll be the first woman to direct a movie and and to have her come out and basically talk about her experience with her dad being this pilot and and this military service and everything and explaining how this is deeply personal and passionate for her kind of sets it up. It's like, okay, yeah, she, she, this is, this is who you're, where you're coming from. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, another interesting thing about it too is, you know, I think I, you know, I think wedge is almost guaranteed to be mm-hmm. in the show. I think he's going to be the lead. I mean, yeah. obviously it's not going to be Luke and, you know, they're going to have some connective tissue to, you know, uh, the original trilogy, because I mean that's what Rogue Squadron was right. originated. So and I'm fine with that. I mean he was yeah. he was at best a tertiary character, and it was like we didn't really you know you have a. I mean they're gonna have to recast obviously, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the character. But you know we talked about this with the, uh, the Cassie and Andor series in terms of a live action Hera, and you know Wedge had an appearance. You know he in in Rebels, and like you know he he worked with Hera. And so I, I'm wondering in her, you know, depending on when this is set, because uh, we know she survives the events of the Galactic Civil War and presumably it, became, you know, it, a, it remains a high ranking member of the New Republic. Yeah. It'd be interesting, you know, she could tie into that series. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if that happens. God, if it's, if it's, if it was somehow set even later, I mean, you could have a young Poe Dameron in this, possibly. Yeah. Um, what was what was his squadron in the in the sequels? Do you remember? Is it Black Squadron? I, I think it's Black Squadron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't recall. So yeah, because yeah, his that, that, that his X wing was colored black in the in the right. 
that's why I was thinking that. And you know, not not to name check this movie because I, I prefer not to, but we do know that Wedge at least you know makes it survived until sur- Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, we see him make an appearance. So, yeah. so I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they they have a great big timeline to work with in terms of what this could yeah. be, assuming it's based around Wedge, which you know, to your point, it doesn't necessarily need to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he could almost be. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know if they need Dennis Lawson, but I mean, if they aged him up later and they pushed the timeline later, he could be almost like the Tom Skerritt or Michael Ironside character from like the Hot Top Gun parallel, Ooh. just have him be like the, the the instructor, the teacher, or like the. the scene now that's it. that's an interesting take. I kind of like that, like a Top Gun type of riff. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I like that. As you can see, this is a new era for Star Wars and Lucasfilm, with expanded opportunities for continued innovation high-quality storytelling, and cinematic experiences like never before. Yeah, so so those are the ones. They, they've announced those two movies and a whole bunch of TV shows. So I, I, my, my, at this point, my one concern would be oversaturation. But, right. I mean, we're, we are talking about over a course of a number of years um, with a lot of variety here. Again, like a lot of the TV things we talked about were animation. Some of them kind of like one-offs or, or little specials. So, um, but I mean, Disney, you know, they, they just spent a couple billion dollars building a theme park that nobody can go to right now. So they, right. Need, to do, they need to do some stuff to, to make their, their money back. Right. So, uh, okay. Lots of this to, to digest and to think about. But, Chris, before I let you go, I've got a special question for you. Okay. Keeping in mind all of the things that we just discussed, if you could have one filmmaker and one actor or actress star in a Star Wars project, and you don't have Mm. to describe what the project would be, but a filmmaker and a star that you would want to see in Star Wars, who would you want? Wow. That's uh, – That's an interesting question, man. It's tough because you know it's like I mean I have a lot of you know a lot of great filmmakers who I really love, but I don't know that they would be suited for Star Wars. I mean, there was always the rumor, uh, and it might even been more than that, that uh, Lucas wanted Spielberg to direct Return of the Jedi, and because of some Directors Guild issues, they couldn't make that happen. Hmm. Um. And I think that that era Spielberg, I mean, I think that's always a what if, like, mm-hmm. you know, what Spielberg at his peak of making those types of movies, handling that property, I think would be pretty interesting. I mean, other filmmakers I love, you know, like Scorsese or, you know, Kubrick, I, you know, I can't imagine what kind of Star Wars movie they would make uh, if it would even resemble Star Wars. So it's. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, it it feels like kind of a lame answer, but it might have to be Spielberg because, mm. you know, peak Spielberg, you know, 80s Spielberg to see what he could do. Um, an actor. Man, who who would be who would be a good actor in a Star Wars movie? Oh, man. Maybe Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 that guy's got obviously everything he does is like you got to sit up and pay attention. And he's definitely one of my favorite actors. Sure, and, yeah. And, and just to see what he could do with it, I mean, whatever it would be, I don't know. I don't know if that would even work. That's the thing that that's the thing that's tough, right? Is like you know, Star Wars is such a unique thing. I mean, it's it, it's flexible, it's malleable. 
but it also has a certain sensibility that's almost kind of indefinable. Like, you know, you know, you, you can tell Star Wars, you can separate it when you see it from other kinds of science fiction, right. which, you know, technically I wouldn't even consider Star Wars science fiction. It's fantasy, but, yeah. but it, it just has a look and, you know, so yeah. So let's go with that. Spielberg hmm. directing Daniel Day Lewis in some <laughs> random Star Wars movie. Let's, let's imagine what that would be. <laughs> What 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 well, what about you? What 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 have you have you answered this question for yourself? I, I was thinking about it, and um, my my answers hit a little bit closer to 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 home for like Disney right now, just because I saw their names pop up in in other announcements. For the director, I was thinking Ryan Coogler. Um, oh, uh, that's they mentioned, good. They mentioned yeah. for with the Black Panther, and just because I loved the first Creed so much. Oh um, yeah, me too. And I would like to see um, the first African American to helm a, a big Star Wars movie too. Um, right. And because of uh, the the cast that he works with, um, for an actor, I just thought of um, Jonathan Majors, who's the star of the uh, the HBO series uh, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. they announced that he's going to be he's going to be the villain in one of the upcoming Marvel movies too. Is, is, uh, um, Ka- is it Kang? Is that Kang? Is? Kang the Conqueror? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kang the, the Ant Man movie. Yeah. Wow. So. Clearly, you had more time to think about it. That's why your answers are way better than mine. But <laughs> yeah, I had a couple hours. I actually agree with you now. That I think because Ryan Coogler, I was trying to think of someone who had the, you know the artistry of mm-hmm. a filmmaker, but also can make that leap into big budget spectacle filmmaking. And yeah, I mean, if there's anyone who's done it better in, in the modern era, I'm not sure who it is because Coogler, you know, I mean, he did Fruitvale Station and Creed, oh, and then yeah, and then made the jump to Black Panther seamlessly. Great choice. I, I second that. Very cool. Very cool. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Chris, for popping up on this episode of Give Me Those Star Wars. Uh, Absolutely. Chris will be back uh, on a future episode of this podcast and um, and also another Fire and Water Records that we got to record sometime soon. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Chris. And uh, listeners, we're going to take a short promo break right now, but then I will be back with listener feedback from the previous episode. Don't go away. For years, the Fire & Water Podcast Network has found its joy talking about comics. From Aquaman and Firestorm to Batman and Plastic Man. From giant treasuries to pocket-sized digests. From massive miniseries events to singular one-shot adventures. From romance to horror to whatever the hell Ohatmu or not is. In the last year, they've begun to carve a path through their favorite television shows, such as MASH, Cheers, and Justice League Unlimited, and there's no sign of them stopping. What medium will fire and water conquer next? Introducing Fire and Water Records, the music anthology podcast from the Fire and Water Network. Find your joy in all new ways as members of the Fire and Water Network and their friends discuss favorite songs, albums, concerts, and artists. Hang on, I've been doing a music show for two years. Featuring Record Revolution. Join the Brothers Daily as we catalog the essential years that shaped popular music and our own lives. A very daily Christmas. An annual celebration of our favorite holiday tracks. Plus, all new episodes of Zoom for Sam. The show in which I share my joy of Samantha Fox by spotlighting a single single every single episode. 
and Pod Dylan. No, not Pod Dylan. We discussed this. That's staying on its own feed. Not Pod Dylan, but everything else I said. Plus, so much more. There's even a chance David Ace Gutierrez will show up. Which brings us back to Fastball, which is really one of the most interesting American bands in the world today. When you think about the number of side projects and solo projects associated with the band, it actually almost out. Fire and Water Records, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. All right, before I get to your comments on the last episode, I wanted to add a couple of really quick thoughts. At the time that Chris and I recorded, I hadn't seen the actual streaming presentation by Disney's Kathleen Kennedy. I was taking all of that information from the tweets from Disney and Lucasfilm. I did watch the next morning. You can find it on YouTube. One of the things that I did not know until I heard it directly from Kennedy is the way she said the two Mandalorian spin-off shows, Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic, and first of all, she did say that Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni are overseeing those two as well. She said that those two shows will take place concurrently, and they will culminate in one big story event, which could mean a crossover or possibly a separate miniseries or movie exclusive to Disney+. Plus. I'm kind of thinking how the Marvel Netflix series for Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist came together for The Defenders. When I heard that, I started wondering what kind of story could be worthy of such an event, and I think that's where we will get our final confrontation with Grand Admiral Thrawn, and the one in this new continuity, starting with Rebels. And working backwards from that... I don't think Rangers of the New Republic is about Cara Dune anymore, because, well, for one thing, she's called a marshal. I think Rangers of the New Republic will be a continuation of Rebels and deal with the survivors from that show during the timeline of The Mandalorian. So that is where we will see Hera Syndulla and the crew of the Ghost, like Chopper and Zeb, possibly Sabine, and Hera's child that was shown at the very end of Rebels, the son fathered by Kanan. That's what I'm putting my money on. Rangers of the New Republic is the sequel to Rebels, and it will deal with those characters after the after the original trilogy. The other thing I wanted to mention was how cool it is to see that Disney is using the directors from The Mandalorian's first season like a kind of farm team for their new projects. Taika Waititi, obviously, he had other directorial credits, but he's moving from The Mandalorian to another Star Wars project. Deborah Chow, who directed two episodes of Season 1, is going to be the director of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Rick Famuyiwa also directed two episodes of Season 1, and he is helming the Children of Blood and Bone project for Lucasfilm. That's not part of Star Wars, but still under their umbrella. So I think it's very cool, and if you look at the directors they have on Season 2 of The Mandalorian, you know, hey, maybe Robert Rodriguez will get something down the road. (laughs) You know. Anyway... Let's move on. Last episode, I crowdsourced some thoughts and reflections on the late David Prowse from various friends and fellow podcasters. The first comment on the website, which, as always, you can find at fireandwaterpodcast.com. 
The first comment was from Mike Dines, who said, Thank you for a great tribute episode for David Prowse. It was good to hear so many contributors talk about his acting career. Being a Canadian, I had no idea about his portrayal of the Green Cross Man until much later when I was nerdily deep-diving on Star Wars trivia. I really enjoy how he is on the record on how he considered this his best role, and he shows you his character. Uh, Then further down the message, Mike said, My two cents, Darth Vader is a collaboration of three men, David Prowse, James Earl Jones, and John Williams. That music instantly tells you what kind of man Darth Vader is. Sometimes all you needed was the physicality of Prowse and the music of Williams. That is a very good, very insightful uh, observation. I, I really like that to include John Williams as almost a co-equal chair of, of what made Darth Vader the character that he is and how much the music informs our impression of that character. That's really good. Good job. Matt Ev said, delightful show about a figure who looms large over geekdom. My pick for Prowse's best moment as Vader is the same as Angela's, just a sublime bit of business, which he performs not only masked, but mostly with his back to the camera. Also, thanks to Neil for recommending the SC-38 version of the Vader and Ben Duel. Never seen that before, and it's pretty great. Yes, agreed. Uh, Steve Givens said, So much attention has been paid over the decades to James Earl Jones' vocal performance as Darth Vader, and deservedly so, that David Prowse's physical performance is often overlooked. But he brought so much presence and vitality to a character that could have easily been played as just some homicidal automaton. What will always stick out to me is how Prowse was able to make Vader seem just as menacing while standing still as when he is erupting into sudden violence. While I don't remember seeing Star Wars A New Hope in the theaters, I do remember going to see The Empire Strikes Back at the theater as a five-year-old. Vader in Empire scared me in all of the best ways possible, in that the fear made me cringe just enough to keep me invested in the story, but not so much that I was afraid to keep watching. And my reaction is due in no small part to Prowse's embodiment of the character. I hope Prowse passed away knowing just how impactful his performance was to so many children over the decades. May he rest in peace. I agree with that sentiment, hopefully, yes. Uh, Rob Kelly said, This was a nice show and surprisingly upbeat considering the reason it exists. I had no idea Prowse had another role he was so proud of. Hashtag the more you know. Do 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 do. Um, Brian Linton said, A big thanks to everyone who participated in this tribute. As a young fan, I was aware of the role that James Earl Jones played in bringing Vader to life, but it wasn't until much later that I realized David Prowse's critical contribution to the character. So it was good to learn more about the man and his work here. Like Angela, I find Vader's reaction to the Falcon's escape from Cloud City to be one of my favorite Vader moments in any of the movies. I hadn't really thought about it before Angela and Ryan brought it up, but that's all due to David Prowse. Ah, that's two people who agree with my wife. I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. That's not going to be good for our relationship. Anyway, Siskoid said, Doctor Who nerd here to say David Prowse was also the Minotaur in the Time Monster. Okay, so that's David Prowse's connection to Doctor Who, Star Wars, the Hammer Horror movies, Superman, and almost sort of kind of James Bond. That pretty much checks all the bingo cards for the Fire and Water Network. 
Uh, and Tim Price said, one of my favorite prowse parts for Vader was in episode 4 in the boardroom scene. These military mucky mucks are sniping, and Vader just skulks around above their squabbling. Then there's his hand grasping the air, and that close-up for, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Chilling. I truly wonder how much Prowse's performance informed James Earl Jones's voice acting. It's kind of the opposite of animation, where the voice comes first. Here, the filming comes first. And I have to think Prowse inspired choices made by Jones. That is another very cool observation, to think that James Earl Jones would have been watching the, the video of what Prowse was doing in those scenes, and making vocal choices and decisions for his dialogue readings based on what was going on. That's very cool, very nice. nice. Good thoughts, good thoughts. So, um, Okay, yeah, that's... Uh, well, uh, I, I thought the last one was going to be the last episode for 2020, but we got this one in just because of the news. Um, so, yeah, th- I mean, there's... Huh, there, there's <laughs> With so much new Star Wars content that they just announced, there's certainly going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, and I do have a few episodes for next year already kind of developing... Um, yeah, what can I say? Uh, to the surprise of no one more so than me, uh, I f- I'm feeling in a good place in regarding my Star Wars fandom these days. So, uh, yeah, this is this is cool. Um, I'm not sure when the next episode will come out, but I'm thinking in January because uh, it's going to be kind of timely. Um, so until then, yeah, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for this show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at ryandaily01 or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show or other shows on the Fire & Water Network, please consider donating to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts for additional information. All music, audio clips, or quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. you.